The CECC on Thursday announced 23,822 local COVID infections and 62 COVID-related deaths. It also reported that a suspected cluster infection at a shipyard in southern Taiwan was in fact two separate clusters. One was caused by the BA2 strain, which is dominant in Taiwan. The other, involving a shipyard employee and his two children, was caused by the BA5, signaling that the subvariant could already be spreading in the community. The CECC says it is not considering tightening COVID measures. Concerns that a cluster infection at a shipbuilding factory in Kaohsiung was caused by the BA5 subvariant have been dispelled after genetic sequencing showed that four of the workers were infected with the BA2 subvariant. The factory cluster infection and the family cluster involving BA5, in fact, are two separate events. In a cluster infection at a shipbuilding factory, 10 contacts tested positive in a first round of testing. Samples from seven of those 10 were sent for genetic sequencing, and four came back as BA2, the most common subvariant in Taiwan. The CT values of the other three were too low for testing. Only the initial case from the factory and his two children were found to be infected with BA5. With the source of the initial case's infection unknown, the CECC said there is likely already community transmission of BA5. It advised the public to exercise caution, but said there are currently no plans to implement stricter public health measures. What we are concerned about now is the possibility that BA5 has already spread in the community. This newest subvariant will likely continue to spread throughout the community in some way and eventually replace BA2 as the dominant strain. The CECC says that mid-August will probably see another wave of infections as BA5 becomes the dominant strain in Taiwan. Next-generation boosters targeting new variants will only become available in the fall, months after the BA5 wave. The CECC says that despite that, there are no plans to open up eligibility for fourth shots to the general population. Comparatively speaking, if we give fourth shots to young people, it will increase antibodies to levels just slightly higher than those following the third shots. However, in terms of slowing infection or preventing severe symptoms, there's no real noticeable effect. So we don't have any plans for widespread vaccination with four shots. Around the world, Israel, France, the U.S., Thailand, Japan and South Korea have rolled out fourth shots, but in all cases, availability has been restricted to certain demographics. The CECC says that for now it will continue to focus on high-risk groups for additional booster shots, saying the benefit of more boosters for youth is negligible. Taiwan received its first batch of monkeypox oral drugs on Wednesday evening. The pills will be reserved for patients with severe symptoms and immunocompromised individuals. The CDC says it will purchase more drugs if there is a need for them in the future. Let's hear from the CDC. The oral drugs for monkeypox will only be used on patients with the disease who experience severe symptoms or who are immunocompromised. So we haven't purchased too many, just enough for 504 people. But if there is a need for more in the future, of course we will purchase more. Currently, the contract for monkeypox vaccines is being reviewed by the supplier, so the order should be finalized soon. The contract is in the final stage. We'll make an announcement once it's finished. 
According to the World Health Organization, more than 18,000 cases of monkeypox have been reported around the world, most of them in Europe. So far, Taiwan has reported just two imported cases, one of whom is still under treatment in hospital. The CDC says most monkeypox patients do not require specialized treatment, such as the oral drugs. Most patients can simply recover with supported therapy to alleviate symptoms. A cross-party delegation from Japan is in Taiwan talking defense and security. The delegation of four includes three former defense officials. A recent Japanese defense white paper spoke of the importance of Taiwan's defense. And this is something former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo also emphasized. Now, with a Japanese delegation in Taiwan discussing specifics, it appears Abe's plans for Taiwan-Japan cooperation on defense may be starting to take shape. Very well. Meeting with the Japanese delegation to discuss security issues, President Tsai Ing-wen again brought up former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo. In regard to the deep friendship that Taiwan and Japan have been able to build, former Prime Minister Abe Shinzo played a key role in that. Abe unfortunately left us at the start of this month, and that's been hard for everyone. Many Taiwanese have expressed grief over his loss and feel deeply that he will forever be a friend of Taiwan. That unfortunate event will not shake Japan's democracy and democratic system, and our discourse will not succumb to violence. That will absolutely not happen in Japan. Those comments were made by member of the Japanese House of Representatives, Ishiba Shigeru. In the four-member Japanese delegation, two members are former defense ministers, and one once served as deputy defense minister. Their visit to Taiwan is aimed at discussing regional security. Ishiba expressed regret that defense-minded Abe was unable to see his objectives through before his untimely death. He expressed a resolve to continue Abe's mission. He said he hoped to sign a bilateral agreement on cooperation with Taiwan during his trip. What we are talking about is what kinds of regional situations might develop, and then after those developments, what kinds of treaties or laws will be invoked? Or what kinds of weapon systems or forces do we need to put in place to put up a resistance? These are all things that need to be discussed in advance, and we need to reach a consensus. Taiwan is an important member of international society. We know that safeguarding Taiwan is not just about safeguarding sovereignty. More importantly, it's about regional strategic security. Taiwan is very important to the defense of the First Island chain. We will continue to deepen cooperation with Japan and other democratic partners, working together to protect peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific. The security of Taiwan is inextricably intertwined with that of Japan. Abe once said that a contingency in Taiwan is a contingency in Japan. His successors are applying that mindset to their own policies, bringing Taiwan and Japan closer together. As the Taipei mayoral election approaches, DPP candidate Chen Shizhong is considered the party's best bet in 24 years. But is the former health minister ready to take on Taiwan's capital? He sat down with FTV Vice President Hu Wanling for an exclusive interview. She grilled him on his thoughts on fellow candidates, as well as his response to criticism from current Taipei mayor Ke Wenzhou. Sitting down with FTV Vice President Hu Wanling, Chen Shizhong expressed his determination to win the Taipei mayoral race. 
First, the DPP hasn't been in power in Taipei for more than 20 years. Secondly, with the DPP in power, the local and central government can cooperate if you give the DPP or give me this opportunity to get the central and local governments to work together. We will make a different Taipei for sure. People will feel the progress of Taipei. We can promote Taipei's mountains and rivers to the whole world. But that dream will require Chen to win the votes. He says his life experience is more than sufficient, and he's confident about his leadership and organizational abilities. I think Jiang Wan'an is quite an impressive figure in the KMT. I think he's a young man with a lot of potential. I think the KMT has not trained him enough. He should get more of a grounding in the legislative UN. Huang Shanshan has been in municipal governance a long time, of course. Nehu and Nangong are her constituency. But if she has been a city councillor there for so long, why does she still not have a real proposal to solve the transport problem for Nehu, or a well-developed plan? In his mild way, Chen implied that Jiang is lacking experience and Huang can't get problems solved. He even took aim at present mayor Ke Wenzhe, who has often offered Chen advice. Mayor Ko said your odds are good. You're a good actor. You're good at spouting rubbish. You've probably heard that comment of his. What do you make of that? Do you accept his criticism? I think that what he said about me is also true of him. He's rather good at talking nonsense. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe said that in the past, he did things chaotically in his first two years in office. If you take him as a mayor, it's like he is reigning supreme, alone. Of course, you can't win your team's heart like that. You can't make use of their experience. And then the city government will go through a chaotic period. I wouldn't make that mistake. Chen is known for his tactful demeanor while making pointed remarks. His chat with FTV was no exception. The long-awaited Taipei Performing Arts Center is opening in August, with a series of programs for its grand opening. One of its shows will be a ballroom dance performance telling the story of Taiwan's history. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a preview. Ballroom dancers take the stage wearing colorful costumes. This scene tells a love story between a couple at Taipei's Yuensan Park during the Japanese colonial period in the 1930s. This piece was inspired by an old photo of the Yuanshan Park. I thought that since ballroom dancing involves a man and a woman dancing together, I came up with a scene for the couple to go on a date at the park. There's also a ballroom dance piece inspired by the Taiwan Pride Parade. When we were thinking about Taiwan's transformation over the years, from the Japanese colonial period to the present, we thought that the Pride Parade had to be included in the show. This program is based on the theme of love and discusses relationships. So at this point in time, the challenges that everyone has faced for gender equality can be expressed through this outlet. 
The Taipei Performing Arts Center is officially opening in August. For its opening show, it will showcase eight love stories that took place in Taiwan over the years. Scenes range from the 1930s, the Japanese colonial period, the arrival of American soldiers in Taiwan, modern-day pandemic life, and all the way to the future in the year 3022. We have a screenwriter. We decided on the era first and then chose the music accordingly. Though some of the scenes may feel a bit distant for some audiences, we hope that the performance can evoke memories through the songs and dances. After a brief soft opening period from March to May, the Taipei Performing Arts Center will officially open to the public in August. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang in Guangwonghai in Taipei. The Fed on Wednesday announced an interest rate hike of 0.75 percentage points. That makes a total rise of 1.75 percentage points this year alone, with another 0.5 percentage point rise expected in August. Taiwan's central bank says it won't necessarily follow suit, as it has different considerations for its monetary policy. The U.S. four major indexes all surged on Wednesday on the announcement, but the effects on Taiwan's market did not last long. The Taix opened up 110 points, surpassing the 15,000-point mark. But with Kinsa's Interconnect Technology, Nanya Printed Circuit Board and Unimicron closing almost limit down, the Taix ended closing down 29 points at 14,891. The Directorate General of Highways is considering allowing more types of motorcycles on the improved Suhua Highway after a successful trial for heavy motorbikes. The agency is considering opening up the road to motorbikes with wide number plates. That is bikes of between 50 and 250 cubic centimeters. Four proposals to make that happen are on the table, including two that would remove the hard shoulder on the road and replace it with an additional traffic lane. Since last September, large motorcycles like these have been allowed to circulate on the improved Suhua Highway. The six-month trial ended recently, and heavy motorbikes could soon be allowed on the road on a permanent basis. Now, the Directorate General of Highways says the next step is to open up the highway to motorcycles with white number plates between 50 and 250 cubic centimeters. Already, four proposals are on the table for approval from the Transport Ministry. There may be another meeting, or perhaps one of the proposals will be implemented. All of the proposals have safety as their top priority. There are four proposals. The first of them would allow white plate motorcycles to circulate alongside sedan cars on the fast lane, leaving the road shoulder for emergency vehicles. The second would get motorcycles driving on the shoulder only, with some provisions to allow emergency vehicles to circulate as well. The third and fourth proposals would do away with the hard shoulder and replace it with a slow vehicle lane or regular lane. Since these two proposals would necessitate adjustments to the current layout, they are less feasible than the others. The last two proposals would require changing the current lane distribution and would therefore have a bigger impact on the road. They could even require an environmental assessment and would even affect the emergency evacuation plans for the improved Suhua Highway. 
The number of lanes on the improved Suhua Highway is very limited. If they end up letting motorcycles use the hard shoulder on weekdays and tour buses use it on weekends, they will have to figure out a way to let emergency vehicles circulate in case an accident happens. They need to consider this. The proposals all have different safety and traffic volume considerations. Some experts suggest that different kinds of vehicles could be allowed to circulate on the shoulder during the week and during weekdays. The Directorate General of Highways says that if everything goes smoothly, about 200 white number plate bikes could use the highway every day. The 2022 comic exhibition opened its doors on Thursday after a two-year hiatus due to COVID. Thousands of manga and anime fans turned up for the first day of the five-day event. Some of them decked out in eye-catching cosplay outfits. This year, the exhibition has 800 stands and 110 participating companies, with 30 meet-and-greet events scheduled. Comic fans say they are ready to spend all the money they have saved during COVID. A long line stretches for more than 100 meters from the entrance of World Trade Center Hall 1. Everyone has been itching for this day. 10 o'clock strikes and the doors open. Everyone rushes in. This is the 21st edition of the event, which was on hiatus for two years due to COVID. Finally, the comic exhibition is back, attracting hordes of manga and anime fans. In just half an hour, many had already loaded up on merch. In this goodie bag, there is a blanket and a pillow. The show was cancelled last year. I had been looking forward to this for so long. I had planned to come with friends, but that didn't happen in the end. I was very disappointed. I bought one of each kind of goodie bag. There was nothing to do over the winter and summer breaks, so I saved up a lot of money to spend it all here. I'm spending all the money from last year. It's been too long since there was such a large convention, they say. Organizers have put out their best wares to attract plenty of fans. Many cosplayers turned up at the event in full garb. I got ready at home and then came over. I wanted to get a hold on one of these as they only began selling today. I wanted to be the first in line, but I ended up going out half an hour late because of my friend. I ended up being among the first 10. After two years of COVID, the comic convention is finally back. For thousands of fans, it's an event not to be missed. A new mini-submarine is being developed by engineers at National Sen Yat-sen University. With support from CSBC Corporation, they recently tested the sub in Kaohsiung Harbor. The tests use aircon to make conditions inside the vessel way more comfy. We spoke to one of the professors leading the project to learn more. Two people are inside this tiny submarine, 10 meters below the surface of the water in Kaohsiung Harbor. National Sun Yat-sen University has developed this new submarine for scientific research purposes. Their latest test mission lasted for two days, proving the sub can keep people alive. It also improved the conditions in the vessel, with the operators in a more comfortable temperature and humidity. This time we considered that in the future the cabin system will be supporting two people. So we needed to do a life support system test for two people. The goal of this test was testing a life support system running without interruption. 
the operator sent back a report every five minutes and continuously recorded the cabin's level of oxygen and carbon dioxide, temperature, humidity and pressure. That data will be relied on for future upgrades. What's important about this aircon system is it can keep the operators comfortable to operate the submarine for a long period of time. That's something we had not developed before. Last time when there was no aircon, it really was quite uncomfortable for me. This is the first mini-submarine developed in Taiwan. It was tested twice in 2021, and this latest test is another step forward. NSYSU hopes the sub will be a big help in their future research. Not sure where to go for Chinese Valentine's Day? Why not Taipei's Da Daocheng? The neighborhood is holding its annual Da Daocheng Chinese Valentine's Festival on July 30th. The festival includes an eight-minute firework show and water show with concerts featuring Taiwanese musicians. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. Pink and blue fireworks light up the sky. The 2022 Da Daocen Chinese Valentine's Festival will take over the streets of the historic district this Saturday. The eight-minute fireworks show can be viewed from gates 3 to 5 at Yanping Riverside Park. The spectacle will also feature a water show for the first time. Since COVID has eased, audience caps have been lifted. Traffic controls will be implemented in the neighborhood during the festival. The Taipei City government advises those visiting to take public transportation. The fireworks show will last for eight minutes with a very eye-catching water show. There's also a Japanese color-changing light beam effect. We will not have too many restrictions on the event. This year, we are not limiting the number of people. Aside from fireworks, there will also be performances featuring Taiwanese musicians such as Adam Boys, Fei, On5, Yu Huang, DJ Mr. Skin, and Icy Ball. There will also be food trucks and stalls to promote the nearby business district. This year, we hope that everyone can keep COVID guidelines in mind. In fact, people can go out and come here. This time around, the event will be very special as it is in reality a series of events. We hope that everyone can go to the business districts nearby and revitalize them. The 2022 Da Daocen Chinese Valentine's Festival will be held at the Yanping Riverside Park on July 30th from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang, Liang Junle and Li Yihan in Taipei. Does the summer heat make you lose your appetite? It's actually quite common. But nutritionists say it's important to keep eating as sweating can cause the body to lose a lot of vitamin B. Nutritionists say a good way to increase one's appetite is to prepare colorful foods with sour and spicy notes. Let's hear from an expert. During this period, you may want to eat more foods with vitamin B, such as whole grains or even dairy products, and awful. All these have vitamin B. Spicy foods and strong flavors are a good way to stimulate our taste buds. Choosing vegetables with bright colors like yellow, orange, or red can also open up our appetite via our eyes. Environmental factors can also increase our appetite. Some good options to get your mouth watering include Thai-style lemongrass chicken salad, or beef with lettuce and a sour and spicy sauce. Fresh flavors and varied colors can also get your body craving for a bite. That's red vegetables like tomatoes and chilies. 
orange ingredients like salmon and tangerines, or a pop of yellow with corn and mango. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, a simple homemade meal can suffice.